Oh, come on, let's magnify him. Oh, Heavenly Father, I worship you. I worship you, Jesus. There's deliverance in the house tonight. The King of glory is here. Y'all, I magnify you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. I want to give honor to Pastor for allowing me to have this opportunity to grow today. I don't feel worthy to stand behind this sacred desk and be among great peers. Um, Don't feel worthy, but believe God's given me a word to preach. Um, it's not easy. It's not an easy one. But I believe it's what God gave me to be a blessing to his people today. I want to give honor to my wife. I couldn't be a youth pastor without her. She keeps those kids alive <laughs> and controls the bleeding when, uh, <laughs> when she needs to. And she's everything. Couldn't do it without her. Let's get into the word, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, and it says, In the third year of the reign, Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, came to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with part of the vessels of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And I want to preach to you on this title, The Gradual Abduction of the Vessels. The Gradual Abduction of the Vessels. God, Heavenly Father, let's pray. God, I worship you. I praise you, God. I pray right now, God, you take away all nervousness, God. I pray that you anoint my mind, anoint my lips to speak, God. Only your word, Jesus. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. We give you the honor, God. Oh, Jesus. You may be seated. In our text, Daniel is describing the events that preceded what we know as the age of the Gentiles. The current spiritual state of Israel during this time is not good. After the reign of King Solomon, Israel has had a lineage of subpar kings that have fallen short of God's divine plan. This, therefore, has caused the people of Israel to drift farther and farther away from God. And now Israel is under the rule of uh, King Jehoiakim. And King Jehoiakim was described as conceited, hard-hearted, and wicked. The king sought to repeatedly kill the prophet Jeremiah. And Jehoiakim represents Israel's current spiritual state. During Jehoiakim's reign... Israel was under the yoke of Babylon. He attempted to break free from the bondage of the mighty and ever-imposing Babylon. 
by making an alliance with nearby Egypt. King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, learned of this alliance and marched his army into Jerusalem and with great ease besieged the city. This would be the first of three attacks. First of three attacks against Jerusalem from Babylon. In the first attack, King Nebuchadnezzar would kill King Jehoiakim, take the royal seed, including Daniel, and part of the temple vessels. The second attack on Jerusalem would result in the captivity of 10,000 of the princes, officers, and chief men in the second attack. In the second attack, Babylon would seize all of the vessels and the treasures of the temple. By the third attack, Jerusalem, including the holy temple, the king's palace, and all the dwellings would be completely dismantled and burned to the ground. The demise of Jerusalem marked a gradual 20-year campaign carried out by Nebuchadnezzar to destroy Jerusalem. And I ask this question, why would someone like Nebuchadnezzar, who was after world domination, not utterly destroy Jerusalem in the first attack. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, he was shrewd. He knew about this God that the Israelites served. Nebuchadnezzar knew that if he utterly destroyed Jerusalem in the first attack, that Israel's God would retaliate. So instead of completely destroying Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar killed King Jehoiakim took the seed of the next generation and of, Israel, of Israel and just part of the vessels of the house of God. You see, these vessels are significant. These vessels were used in the house of God to minister and worship within the temple. In Chronicles chapter 36, verse 10, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar took the goodly vessels. If you look up the word goodly in the Hebrew, goodly means the desire the desire of Israel. Nebuchadnezzar was smart enough to know that if I can capture Israel's desire, if he could capture just the desire, that he will eventually win the battle. You see, the devil knows that if he can just get your desire for God, he will win the battle for your soul. Nebuchadnezzar knew that if I could gradually steal Israel's praise, if I gradually steal their desire for God, if I can gradually steal their worship, if I can gradually steal someone's prayer life, if I can gradually steal someone's love for God, he will win the battle eventually. The Bible says that we must be vigilant. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse says, verse 8 says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking who he may devour. The devil is out to devour some vessels today. We see these same vessels again later on in Jan Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5 verse 1 says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem. 
that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple in the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his prince, his wives and his concubines drank them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, of brass and of iron and of wood and stone. Now this scripture was recorded several years after the destruction of Jerusalem. Belshazzar is the son of Nebuchadnezzar and is having a party and a feast. And he says, you know what? Bring out the vessels that my father Nebuchadnezzar captured from the house of God. And we'll drink wine out of them. This is for free. The devil loves to remind you of the things he has in his possession. He's not afraid to say, hey, I still got your vessel. I've still got your praise. I've still got your mind. I've still got your parents' soul. I've still got your black backslidden son in captivity. Jesus. Oh, I worship you, God. So Belshazzar is having this party, and the wine is so good that he requests to have the wine poured into holy vessels of the temple of God that his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had captured. The very vessels that God had intended to be used to worship with, to be ministered with in the temple. The desire of Israel was now filled with wine. This defiled the temple vessels. You see, the devil loves nothing more to fill a creation that was made to be filled with the things of God and fill it with the things of this world. The devil, the, the devil is after the contents of your vessel. The devil is after the contents of your vessel. We often pray this prayer, God, mold me and shape me. Shape my vessel, God. Shape my life. We want God to mold us and shape us, but we allow outside voices to fill our vessel. We allow outside voices to consume our vessel. You see, the devil is after the contents of your vessel. He wants to replace prayer with immorality. He wants to replace fasting with entertainment. He wants to replace the word of God with the voices of this world. He wants to replace a sound mind with a reprobate mind. He wants to replace the things of God with the things of this world. The devil is after the contents of your vessel. We must be vigilant. We must be vigilant. I was listening to a forum with Brother Cody Marks, and he was asked this question. The question was, what is the biggest outside voice that this generation is facing today? And Brother Marks responded saying, with no doubt, the voices of entertainment and social media are the biggest outside voices in this generation today. You see, entertainment is nothing more than a form of escape. Social media is nothing more than a form of escape. We've allowed these voices to take up room in our vessel. And these, out, these outside voices, they have taken the place of God. You see, the devil would like nothing more to fill your vessel with wine, young person. There's a reason why God refused the gall and the vinegar when he was hanging on the cross. He didn't want to be numb to the pain. 
He didn't want to be distracted from his purpose. He didn't want to escape from his reality. He wanted to fulfill the role of his father. The spirit we are facing in this generation is a spirit of distraction. It's a numbing spirit. It wants us to be consumed with the things on social media. It wants us to escape our reality through hours of YouTube, hours of news media, hours of outside voices. Jesus. A common excuse for people not getting rid of social media, they say, well, I don't want to miss out what my friends are doing. I don't want to miss out what my family's posting. Well, I don't want to miss out what God's doing. I don't want to miss out what he's doing in this house and in these young people. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Outside voices. You know, this, this whole COVID thing has not been nothing more than a distracting giant voice. We have allowed it, I'm, I'm preaching to myself, we have allowed it to consume our conversation, our thoughts, our time. I know people that are willing to lose their jobs and their livelihood, their career over not getting this vaccine. Some people just have the mindset, you know what, over my dead body will I take this vaccine. Common ex excuse, people are saying, yeah, I'm not going to allow an unknown vaccine into my body. And some of us have taken a stand to do whatever it takes to prevent the vaccine from entering the, entering the body. But what we really need to do is apply that same mindset to guarding our vessel. We got to guard what's what we're letting in. Over my dead body will I be influenced by social media. I only want to be influenced by the king. The media is not going to consume my mind. I want to be consumed by the things of God. I don't want to be consumed by other voices. I just want the voice of God. We need some Daniels to rise up and say, I'm going to purpose in my heart that I'm not going to partake in the king's meat. I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to partake in the things of this world. I don't need to be influenced, distracted by the things on the media. I want my vessel to be full of the things of God. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. Verse 20 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. And some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he should be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. If a man therefore purge himself from these, it means to be, to be clean, to be cleansed. I was so nervous about this message this morning that I went out in the yard this morning and put on headphones and turned some preaching on and started pulling weeds in the yard. 
And I didn't realize the significance of this. That if I don't take care of the weeds in the yard, (laughs) number one, my wife's not going to be happy. But it's going to control and consume something that was meant to be beautiful. If I don't get there on my hands and knees every day and start pulling some weeds, get some garbage out of that yard. Water's great. But the weeds will consume me if I don't get my hands and knees. The only way we're going to survive in this chaotic world is that we got to purge some vessels. We've got to clean out some vessels. We've got to make some room for God. I felt this in prayer. I've been, I've been praying, God, I want to hear your voice. I need your voice in my life. I've got to have your voice. And the Lord impressed upon me. If you want to hear my voice, you've got to make some room for my voice. God wants to purge some vessels today. God wants to take back some vessels today. When you see young men in this altar and praying and snot and tears are flying, they're purging some vessels. They're getting rid of some junk and garbage and some deep issues. Jesus' name. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip through half of my notes here. The story of Judas is an example of a vessel filled with wrong things. It was greed that consumed Judas, which opened the door for him to betray Jesus. But it was condemnation and guilt that caused Judas to take his own life. Matthew chapter 27 verse 3 says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, When he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for us to put into the treasury because of the price of blood. And they took counsel and and bought with the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, the field was called the field of blood. Judas, being so filled with guilt from portraying Jesus, could not distinguish condemnation from conviction. Filled with condemnation, Judas hung himself. And the Bible says he fell headlong, and of his bowels gushed out. And they called the field the field of blood. You see, God did not intend, young person, for you to have thoughts of suicide. He has already died for you. He did not intend for you to cut yourself to feel something, to feel pain, to feel alive. His blood, his shed, it covers all sin. Oh, Jesus. And Judas was buried in the potter's field. And the potter's field was a field where broken pottery broken vessels were cast, a field of broken potential. The condemnation that you feel, the guilt you feel from your past sins, your childhood, your mistakes, that is not from God. God did not intend vessels to be broken. 
What separates Peter from Judas? Yes, they both betrayed Jesus. Peter denied ever knowing him, but Peter had a revelation of grace. Peter had an understanding of what it means to be purged, to be sanctified, and meet for the master's use. This is the lie of condemnation. Your sins are too great to be used for God. Your sins are just too great, too dirty, too unclean. The answer is you just need to be purged, full of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, full of God's grace, God's mercy, God's love. And I'm closing here. Archaeologists believe that they have discovered Peter's home in Capernaum. And what makes this house so unique is that it went through a remodel that dates to a time after the passion of Christ. This house was plastered from the top to bottom and was converted into a church. And in this converted church, they found these large pots, these vessels in the sanctuary. These vessels were much larger than a typical family home. And written on the walls in the plaster, there were inscriptions assumed to be written by Peter himself, such as, Lord Jesus Christ, help thy servant. Christ, have mercy. Peter had an understanding and a revelation what it's like. He knew what it was like to be an empty vessel, a purged vessel, a sanctified vessel, prepared for the master's use, prepared for every good work. God wants to claim some vessels today. God wants to claim some vessels back. God wants to sanctify someone's mind today. God wants to deliver somebody from the thoughts of depression, the thoughts of suicide. We just got to make some room for him. We just got to make some room for him. Oh, I love you and I praise you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. I'm done. I think we need to do these a little more often. Tremendous. There's always somebody in an audience this big that feels like, well, if it's not from the pastor, then it must not be the word of God. But there's a scripture that said, out of the mouth of babes has he perfected praise. I will tell you that we're just the messengers, and the messages have been absolutely tremendous. <laughs>